Let's stand together and welcome our evangelist today, Evangelist Derek Kelly. Praise the Lord, everybody. God bless you. Be seated. So good to see you all. There you go. I got one amen. That's better than none. Man, what a privilege it is for my family and I to be here. You all realize we've done something a lot of people don't do. I've been to the north and now I'm to the south. Just a couple hours. Now here's the deal. The north said they were better than the south. So we're about to find out if the south is as good as the north. I believe the South can have church, don't you? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mitchell. What a privilege it is for my family and I to be here at this great church. And how many appreciate your pastor and his family? I love them and appreciate them. You all are blessed with the best. So uh, I don't know what would happen if my family ever settles down in Colorado because we think we're the best, but... Now, you should think that way. You should think your pastor is the best, and I do believe having the privilege to work with the Mitchells and meeting them last year, and me and my wife left here talking about them. What a burden, vision that they have, and you are blessed to have a man that has a vision and has a burden for your city. Amen? Because I just don't want my family saved. I want my neighborhood saved. I want my city saved. I want my job saved. And that's what I appreciate about Pastor and Sister Mitchell. They're just not concerned in their family. They're concerned about your family and your city. And we appreciate being here. And I mean that. And I pray God to help us for the next few moments. Now, I've had to cut this thing down. Because I told Brother Mitchell and I told the North, I usually go three hours. So I've had to condense this thing a little bit. Because us people in the North, we have church forever. So we're going to cut this thing down. And we'll have a, I do believe this much, if you'll help me, and I mean that, I believe if you'll help me and be attending for the next 25 minutes, I believe God can give you something you ain't never had, and you can walk out of here different than the way you came in, amen? If you have your Bibles, I want to direct your attention to Mark chapter 11. Thank you, Pastor and Sister Mitchell and their beautiful girls, I should say young ladies. They are not available is what they told me. So, just want to let you all know that. Madison and Megan said, Brother Kelly, we're not available until we're 35. So, Brother Mitchell, you're good. Now, my daughter's not. Uh, Brother Mitchell says they're available. So, there you go. Any of you guys want to take two demons off their hands? Help yourself. Mark chapter 11. Who said you can't have fun in church, right? I don't want to go to a dead church. I don't want to go to a sad church. I want to go to a live church. Amen. Mark chapter 11, verse number 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem and to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way to the village over against you. As soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a coat whereon never man set. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath needed him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt 
tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. And they loose him. And a certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye? Loosening the coat. And they said unto them, even as Jesus had commanded them, and they let them go. They brought the coat to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. In Jesus' name you may be seated, and I pray you'll help me for the next 20 minutes. I want to preach on this subject, becoming a donkey for the king. Now, you don't know me, and I don't know you, so that's a good thing right there. Because I don't know your past, you don't know my past. So we're all, but we do know Jesus this morning, don't we? So I was raised in a little town in Indiana for about 500 people. That's a big city. You can get lost in that kind of city with 500 people. But I had the privilege to work when I was 12 years old. I worked on a farm. And if I say Charlay cattle, does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's white cattle. This farm that my uncle, he raised bulls to be shown. And I had the privilege to work with him. And we halter broke, we'd halter break these bulls that we would, would show. And uh, if you've ever been around a bull, you'll know that bulls are very stubborn animals, very strong animals. But we bought this mangy, ugly-looking animal he brought in on a truck one day. And I thought my uncle had done lost his mind. Because I had seen him drug around the yard plenty of times trying to hold these bulls and break them. And he'd say, well, your turn. And I said, nope. That's not for my payroll. I don't do that. I'm not going to be drug around the yard and do that. Well, he bought this mangy-looking, ugly animal donkey named Jenny. He brought her out of that back of that hauler, and I thought, I said, my uncle was Bob. I said, you've lost your mind here. What's, what in the world is this animal going to do? He said, oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. He brought that donkey up in there in the barn and we got some bulls up in that chute and we got bull in a headlock and we put a halter on that bull. And he said, come here, Jenny. Well, Jenny, if you've ever been around donkeys, they have their own mind, you know? They're going to do things their way and not get in a hurry. Well, my uncle had to break Jenny to realize that Jenny was not the boss anymore. He was, so he had a pretty good paddle in his hand, so he beat the fire out of Jenny and Jenny decided to come up there and stand by him. And we tied a rope. 12 inches from that bull to that donkey. And Jenny was pretty, was pretty stubborn. So we, we, we put the halters together. And man, we un, he said, un, un, undo the, shoot, the headlock. So I done do that headlock. And man, that bull would shoot out of there. Whew. Well, if you don't know Jenny, Jenny decided she wasn't going to go anywhere. So man, that cow, that bull would flip around and the fight was on. Because Jenny wasn't going to move and that bull was trying to move. Well, the only difference in that bull, that bull wasn't smart enough to realize that it was twice the size of Jenny. But Jenny somehow had some great feet. And those feet would turn and she'd beat the fire out of that bull. Just kick, kick that bull. Well, we'd just, finally we'd leave for a little while and I'd be out working and I'd hear, we'd be working with other bulls and I'd hear thump, thump. And I'd hear that bull just moan and groan. But after about three days, I could walk up to that, that animal that could get as much as 2,500 pounds. I could walk up to that bull and grab that halter and just hug, and that bull would follow me anywhere I want to go. Now that thing was 2,500 pounds more than it could destroy me. 
But it had been trained by a donkey that was stubborn that I could take that halter and lead that animal wherever I wanted to go. Now, I told you that story because we're going to talk about a donkey today because the donkey is mentioned over 140 times in the Word of God. We can talk about Abraham's donkey. We can talk about the Good Samaritan's donkey. We can talk about Balaam's donkey. But the donkey that I want to talk about today that was prophesied, if we go back in that Old Testament and we look at Zechariah, you'll find in there that Zechariah prophesied that the king would be coming upon a donkey. But here's what's interesting. If we go back in the Old Testament, the law of Moses pronounced that the donkey was an unclean animal. Why was it unclean? Because it chewed its own cud and did not have a cloven hoof. So it was double cursed according to the law of Moses. It was declared unclean. And the law of Moses demanded that any firstborn donkey should be put to death. But in the law of Moses, it also made a provision that the condemned beast could be redeemed. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. In the law of Moses, if we go back to Exodus chapter 13, verse 13, the Bible says that every first living ass shall be redeemed by a lamb. So, that lamb could die in that donkey's place so that it could live. Let's just be honest this morning. You and I were born unclean. We are born condemned. But thank God a lamb died so that you and I could live and live victorious. Aren't you glad that God robed himself in flesh and John said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. I'm thankful this morning that Jesus died so that I could live. Let's stop and think about this for a second. Really, it amazes me, and I think you all can agree with me, the little things we miss that Jesus does for us. Stop and think about this. How many of you, be honest with me, and me and my wife and kids are sometimes this way, we're always looking for the big things. We want the big things of God. I've been praying for God to take me to Hawaii so I can start, start a church there. <laughs> Hadn't happened yet. Hey I'm, hey, I'm in Colorado. I'm getting closer. But really stop and think about it. The sign of God's favor is not always in the big stuff. The sign of God's favor sometimes is the small things He's done for us. Amen? And when I begin to think about how Jesus came to Mount Olive and He's standing in one village uh, and He's talking about another village uh, and He begins to tell them uh, that there's a colt tied uh, where two roads met. That, that makes me excited because He knows exactly where you are right now. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows you're at a crossroads this morning. He knows what's going on in your marriage. He knows what's going on in your children. He knows what's going on. And it gives me hope this morning. It amazes me. What really blows my mind more than anything, I'm surprised nobody said, how did you know that? I'm shocked nobody looked at Jesus and said, how do you know all this? Don't you ever underestimate the Lord. 
He knows exactly where you are, and he knows exactly what's going on with your life. And if you'll put your life in his hands, uh, he'll take you to places unknown. But we get so busy that sometimes we just forget about really all the small things he's done. I'm going to tell you something. I'm thankful he woke me up this morning. You know what I'm thankful for? I was in a nice bed. We don't stop and think about that. So, man, I'm thankful for running water this morning. I could turn that faucet on and the shower turn on. Man, I'm thankful this morning. I don't have anything to complain about. God's been good to me. I don't know about you, but it's not the big things that I want to thank God for this morning. I, I want to thank God for the small things that he's done. I'm not upset that you live in a bigger house. I'm thankful I got a house. I'm not upset that you got a nicer car. I'm just thankful I got a car. You don't deserve anything you've got. Really, we don't deserve anything. Well, it's my hard work. You got to thank God he puts you here. I'm going to praise him just because he woke me up this morning. I could be lying in the hospital this morning. I could have sickness in my body. And I might have, I might have cancer in my body. I don't know. I don't, who knows? I might have all this stuff going on. But I want to stop for a few moments on a Sunday afternoon in Denver, Colorado and say, God, I thank you this morning that you're still a good God. He protects my wife. We lived in Ohio. They think I was strange in our city. 70% of our people was on government assistance. It was a drug town. People would look at us because they think I was strange. Because I'd say, man, I'm just thankful that God protected me during the night. People didn't understand that. But when you got drug lords coming by your house at 2 in the morning... They could have looked at that house and said, hey, why don't we, take, why don't we kill somebody in that house tonight? I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I go to bed every night saying, God, I'm thankful that you've put a wall around this house, a hedge about my family, a hedge about my kids. And I'm telling you, I'm thankful the car is still running this morning. I'm thankful I, had to eat, I was able to eat some, eat some breakfast this morning. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that I'm in the best church in Denver, Colorado this afternoon. Tells him, he says, go to the next city, find this coat tied. You're going to find something there that's tied up. So you're going to find something there that's tied up. Let me say this. God has a plan for your life. Sometimes we don't, we underestimate that because we don't feel like God knows where we are and God doesn't have a future, but God has, if God can do what he's done for me, he can do it for you. If God can take us out of Indiana, God can take anybody anywhere. And what I love about this passage is, and stay with me for the next few moments, I love that Jesus can set folks free. Whatever your addiction is, whatever you got going on, Jesus can set you free. But on the flip side of this, what are you going to do if God ties you up? Maybe He's tied you up for a purpose. Stay with me. Maybe the reason things aren't going just the way you want them to go is because God has that for a reason. 
Maybe, maybe he's got you tied. So you know what? If I'm tied up, at least I'm in his will. Things might not be going the way I want, but thank God I'm in his will. He tied me up for a reason. He's tied you up for a purpose. Well, I'm lonely. Thank God. He maybe got that for a reason. Because here's what I've had to look at this scripture a little different. Maybe he's tied, he's tied me up for a purpose. So if I'm tied up this morning, I'm not going to be frustrated. I'm not going to get mad at God. I'm not going to get upset at God. I'm going to say, okay, God, if I'm tied up for a purpose, I do believe in time he's going to come and set me free. <laughs> oh, God, I might be broke, but thank God I'm in his will. I might be frustrated. I might be lonely. I might be hurting, but I'm in the will of God. Man, I'm glad he tied me up when I was young. I'll be honest. I'm glad he tied me up. Because really, I could have messed my life up. I look at all my friends. I'm thanking God sometimes he's tied me up. I'm thanking God that he tied me up. Notice with me in our text that you can be tied up. Stay with me. And stand in between two roads. We're frustrated because things ain't breaking loose like we want it to. Things ain't happen. And we get, we get mad sometimes. We get upset at God because, oh, I guess God didn't love me. I told Brother and Sister Mitchell, just because God's silent doesn't mean He's not. He's absent. I've had to learn that and preach to my... Just because God doesn't maybe answer when I want Him to or He knows that I'm, I'm frustrated, He knows I'm at a crossroads, and He knows I'm tied up. I, I can't get there and say, I quit. I'm just going to give up. because No, no. Man, I'm glad that the person giving the test is quiet during the test. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to stay right here bound. Now get this. I'm bound where two roads. I don't want to make a move yet. Because if I make the move without Jesus coming, I'll mess my life up. So I'm going to stay right there until Jesus sends somebody to where I am to set me free. <laughs> because nobody knows me like Jesus. Man, my wife don't even know everything. I ain't being, I ain't being mad. I'm not mad at her. Just, nobody knows me like Jesus. You can be burdened and nobody know it. You can be sitting here right now with so much going on in your life and nobody know what's going on. But Jesus knows. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I can be bound by two roads and nobody know where I'm at. But Jesus knows where I'm at. Here's what I like about it. When His timing is right, He's going to send, some, he's going to send somebody to set me free. <laughs> Don't Get upset right now because things maybe just ain't working out the way you want it to. But in His timing, He's going to come and set us free. Time is going to fix things. But it's going to have to happen in Jesus' time. Can I tell you? I believe it's time right now that God is going to come and set somebody free. Jesus said, Here's what I want you to do. Stay with me. I'm, I'm going to 
I'm going to wind down. I won't go long today. He said, bring that coat to me. Okay. Who are we going to say? You just tell him, I have need of him. You know, I'm glad he said that. I'm so thankful he said it. It lets me know that Jesus is looking for people that are tied up. He's looking for people that are standing between two roads. Burdened. Nobody knows really where they are. Well, I thought Jesus only looses, loose people. Jesus knows that you're tied up, but he still needs you. I know you got some, I know you got some garbage. I know you got some things that you don't want people to know about. But he said, I still need you. I know you're stuck between that road today and you're not sure which way to go. You're not sure what's right because the Lord hath need of you. I like it. He said, don't, don't, don't send it in your name. Send it in my name. Tell him, I, I'm the one. You always got people going to question you. I'll never get it. My neighbor come to me and said, hey, can I talk to you? I said, sure. We got talking. He said, you're Jesus only, aren't you? I kind of took back. I said, Jesus only? He said, yeah. Don't you believe Jesus everything? I said, well, yeah, that's kind of what the Bible's all about, isn't it? There's only one name. His name's Jesus. He said, well, I just got a little problem with it. I said, okay, well, don't take it up with me. Take it up with him. He wrote the book, not me. <laughs> I said, man, don't get upset at me, dude. He's up here getting in my grill. You know, you get in my grill, there's another side of me. I said, man, don't, don't you get up in my grill. You go read the book. I didn't write that thing. He said, well, I don't believe in everything you're talking about. I said, okay, I'm fine with that. I said, I won't get upset at you. He said, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. Okay. He said, you, do you believe everybody should be baptized in the name of Jesus? I said, what's the Bible say? He goes, I don't know, but I'm going to prove you wrong. Well, it happened to be on a Saturday night. Now, I didn't fuss with him. I wasn't going to be. I said, man, go home and read it. Just read your Bible. I said, if you, get it, you find it, it'll be in there. He said, all right, I'm gonna, I'll come back. Well, and I was in the shower one Saturday night. And, and I don't know how you folks do here in the city, but in the country, we always check the blinds first. We peek through and see who's knocking on the door. Because if it's somebody we don't want to talk to, guess what? We're going to... Dad, who's at the door? Oh, my God, I could kill you right now. And my wife, women can get you in trouble, you know? She said, you better answer that door. I said, I ain't got time. I ain't answering that door. I said, that dude's wanting to argue, and I ain't got time to argue. I said, matter of fact, babe, man, I took my shirt off real quick, and I said, I'm not dressed right. I'm heading to the shower. I said, why don't you, why don't you go over and answer the, answer the door? She said, well, I'm going to. I said, good. Man, I was in the shower, and I was taking, you know, after 10 minutes shower, you've been in there a while. I'm thinking, my God, what in the world is she doing out there arguing? I wasn't there going to get out of the shower because I didn't feel like arguing. So I just kept scrubbing the hair, you know. All of a sudden, she come in there and says, you better get out of that shower. Well, when Dr. Laura says get out of the shower, guess what? You better get out of the shower. So I got out of the shower, and she said, you're going to go talk to him. I said, I ain't got time to talk to him. She said, oh, yeah, you do. She said, he's, he's, he needs, you're going, you need to go out there now and talk to him. I said, all right. I said, I'm ready. I put my clothes on real quickly, and I went to the door, and there stood my neighbor. Tears running down his cheeks. 
He said, my friend, I, I've been, I opened this great book. He said, I started in Matthew. He said, guess what? I couldn't find anybody baptized any other way but in the name of Jesus. He said, man, I got to the book of Mark. And he said, I, I read the book of Mark. And he said, I, I couldn't find anybody that wasn't baptized in the name of Jesus. And he said, I, I said, well, honey, I'm going to stay up here and I'm going to go through the book of Luke. And he said, I got in the book of Luke. And he said, I said, baby, there ain't, no, there ain't nobody here. Well, everybody was baptized in the name of Jesus. And then he said, maybe, maybe our neighbor's not too crazy after all. He said, man, I got to the book of John, and I read the book of John. But he said, when I got to the book of Acts, he said, something happened to me. He said, it was the wee hours of the morning. He said, God began to talk to me. Oh, can I tell you? Tears running down his cheeks, he said, when I got to the book of Acts this morning, he said, I'm wee hours. He said, I said, God, thank you for the revelation of who you are. He said, would you take me right now and baptize me in Jesus' name? I said, yeah. I said, if that's what you want. He said, if you don't do it now. This came out of his mouth. I was actually heading to preach somewhere. He said, you're going to tell him to wait. Because he said, if you don't baptize me now. And this is what stuck in my mind. He said, I die lost tonight if you don't do it. He said, what if I die tonight? He said, you've got to take me right now. And baptize me in Jesus' name. I said, okay, man, let's go. Man, I took him down the church and we got down that water. He was tears running down his cheeks. And I said, hey, you know, crazy preacher, me. I said, you know, there's one more thing you probably need after baptism that's really good. I said, if you've never heard of it, I said, it's the most awesome thing. Because I said, it's Christ coming in us. He said, I know, I know. I got to speak in tongues. I said, no. You don't have to. You, you, don't, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. But I said, man, it's there. He said, I want it. He said, if it's in there, I want it. Man, I took him down in the name of Jesus. When he come out of the water, he threw his hands up, and he was talking in a heavenly language. Why lose ye the coat? Because Jesus had need of him. Because Jesus had need of him. And he wants to set you free. Everything we do is in the name of Jesus. I went to college to be a mortician. Don't hold that against me. That's what I graduated college from. I decided to change professions. I decided to resurrect the dead, you know. Some of you get that when you get home lunch. You'll figure that one out. Woman came in the office. I'm, I'm Sister Mitchell. If you'll come, I'll, I'll wind down. Woman went in the office of the cemetery and she complained. She said, "I can't find my husband. I know I buried him here a couple months ago." The manager said, "Well, what name?" The manager said, "John Jones." The lady at the office said, "Well, ma'am, we have no John Jones here." She says, "Yeah, you do. We buried him here a couple months ago." She said, "Would it be under another name?" She was like, "I haven't married Jones." Oh, yeah, she said, that's, that's my husband. Everything's in my name. <laughs> Everything we do here is in the name of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. I'm, I'm closing. Stay with me. They brought that coat to Jesus because they said the Lord hath need of him. Nobody had ever sat on this coat before. It was unbroken, full of pride, full of self-will. But Jesus didn't set it free just to please itself. He said, I'm going to set you free to serve me all the days of your life. He said, I want, it, I want it to surrender to my will. I want it to go where I want it to go. I want it to do what I... But he said, if I'm going to set it free, it's one supreme task. One supreme task. He said, I know where you are. I know you're at the crossroads and you're bound by things and nobody knows it. But he said, if I'm going to come and set you free, your one supreme task is when you get to me. Because I want to set myself upon your life so that everybody can see me. I don't know about you, but I want the Lord to enthrone Himself upon me. So that everywhere I go, everybody says, I see Jesus. I'm closing with this. Puerto Rican woman repented of her sins, got baptized, filled the Holy Ghost in a church in New York City, and she came. She came to the pastor and she said, listen, she couldn't speak any English. She was talking to an interpreter and she said, I want to do something for the church. He said, man, what God has done for me, I want to do something for him. And the pastor asked her what, she, what her talents were and she said, I don't have any. She said, I can't even speak English. She said, I love kids. He said, great. That's awesome. Let's put you on the bus ministry every Sunday. And he said, just, she said, what do you want me to do? He said, just sit there and love on the kids. She said, awesome, I'll do that. She sat there every Sunday on that bus and she talked to every kid that come on the streets of New York. And one of the interpreters taught her how to say a couple words in English. And here's her couple sentences she learned. She learned this. She said, I love you. And Jesus loved you. Man, every Sunday, she'd get on that bus and all the kids would start on that bus. And she'd say, I love you. Couldn't talk to hardly any of them, but she just yelled that out every time. Happened to be a little couple little girls and a little boy got on the bus every Sunday, and he always wore a little hoodie. He was real backward, and he'd come and sit on that. He never would talk to her, and he'd always sit by her, and she'd always put her arm around him and say, I love you, and Jesus loved you. And weeks turned into months, and quite a few months now. And she was getting a little frustrated because he never would talk to her, and she'd tell every kid she loved him and Jesus loved him. One Sunday, she decided one more time. She looked at him and she put her arm around him and she said, I love you. It was 2.30 in the afternoon. He was getting ready to get off the bus. And she said, I love you. And Jesus loved you. For the first time, weeks, months, the little boy never said anything. He pulled his little hoodie back and he looked up at her with tears in his eyes. And he said, I, I love you. She watched that little boy get off the bus and he looked back and smiled real big and waved for the first time. 6.30 that night, call, the pastor got a call to go to a dumpster on an alley that that bus just went down. The police, the police department said, we thank you to identify the body that's been left in the trash here. Kids in the neighborhood said that 
they last saw you, your church. Pastor went to that dump, looked in, and there's a little boy lied, beaten to death. find out his mom and dad in a drunken stupor and high on dope came home and he was talking about Jesus they beat him to death the last words he heard was that of a lady who didn't have much to give he said Lord if you'll enthrone yourself on me I want the world to see Jesus and the last words he heard was I love you and Jesus I'm closing a little different today because when you and I walk out of here, we walk into a world that loves to abuse and beat people. But I want you to know before you walk out of here, there's one guy from Indiana that don't know you, but I want you to know I love you and Jesus loves you. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Could we stand all over this place this afternoon?